Welcome. My name is Keith Hodson, Assistant Professor of Music Education at the University of the Arts um, in Philadelphia, and also Director of Education for Zeswitz Music in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, this podcast is supported and distributed by Zeswitz Music as part of its commitment to music education and the professional development and support of all music educators. Our topic for this episode is the return of in-person conferences. Um, we actually did this, recorded this pre before, live from Midwest was what it was supposed to be. Um, but unfortunately, there was so much background noise of the exhibit area that we did this in, uh, we were not able to salvage the recording. So this is actually take two of uh, podcast episode two. Uh, so we're not uh, in the Windy City, but here on Zoom instead in January. So um, my special guests, two uh, outstanding music educators that uh, are dis their districts and their students are just so fortunate to have. Uh, first of all, Mr. Greg Eskin from Welsh Valley Middle School in the Lower Marion School District in Pennsylvania, and Ralph Jackson from Bridal Path Elementary School. I, and Ralph, you're at a, another elementary school too, right? Yeah, Bridal Path and Montgomery. Okay, wonderful. And the, then that's in the North Penn School District also in Pennsylvania. So, um, Thanks for joining me, guys. And I'm so sorry we have to we had to do this a second time. Um, but you guys are are so uh, you know willing to to re-record. So thank you. Um, what why don't you give a little bit of uh, introduction of yourself, your little bit of your background, um, and uh, and talk about your school and your students. Uh, Greg, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, Greg Eskin. Uh, I teach in Lower Marion School District, a district that I attended from kindergarten through twelfth grade and then went to uh, 13th grade at Temple University and uh, returned to the school district. Uh, I teach the bands, the orchestras and the jazz band program. Um, uh, I'm a clarinet player as at least I started that way in fourth grade and now I get to play every instrument just about every day, which is really fantastic. Uh, the program has grown over the years and through the pandemic has taken a really big hit. We got shut down we all got shut down uh, last year, but uh, the district did not schedule us quite the same as, uh, as some of the other schools were able to do. So the program is really small and it's kind of a rebuilding and uh, re-energizing of the school uh, and, the, and the school music program. Great. And Ralph? I, Greg, I didn't know that you actually went to Lower Marion and taught. That's awesome. I need to talk there. I, I, um, I teach in North Penn School District at two elementary schools. I teach kindergarten through sixth grade strings. Um, we start them in kindergarten with Suzuki. And then, um, and then kids that don't start in kindergarten start in third grade. Um, they have two lessons a week. And we have orchestras. And I've been there for about 22 years in North Penn. Great. So we all know how challenging it was for music educators over the last year and a half, um, as Greg was starting to allude to, uh, during the pandemic. And certainly we are not out of it um, and being thrown back into it in some cases uh, with some, some virtual instruction this past week. Um, but I wanted you to see if you would share some of how your, your music and teaching experiences um, have been when you were returning to ensemble performing this fall. Greg? Uh, sure. So. First of all, there was the, the concept of wearing masks and uh, bell covers and stuff like that. I think my students were incredibly excited, as excited as me, to begin to uh, come back to, to live instruction. My string players don't seem to have suffered as much. I think that there's a, a physicality and uh, 
something to do with the use of air with my brass and wind players. They, they've really suffered. I've had kids come up to me and say, Mr. Eskin, I used to be really good. And, and I say, you know, it, it's okay. Um, the other thing is to consider is, is, and I, and I put it to the parents like this, you know, when you read a book and you, you put it down for about three or four months and then uh, you pick it back up and you start reading where you were and you're like, uh, hmm, maybe I ought to go back a couple pages or maybe a couple chapters or maybe even back to the beginning. So what I thought was going to be jumping right back in has become, let's, let's head back to maybe way back in the books and start working our way forward. And where I might've said earlier, it's been a struggle. I think we've reached the point where they may have been before the pandemic started. So, so we're kind of on a push forward. They're really excited about um, hearing some new music and I can allude to, to some of what I heard at uh, Midwest about the new composers that are really, really, really making some fantastic music for, uh, for middle school bands and, uh, and, and orchestras as well. Uh, but I feel like just about now, we're starting to find our footing again and it's becoming a little more comfortable. We'll see what happens in the next week as we start to disappear again. Oh, I love your positivity. Um... And that's coming through, I can tell, and your, your students benefit from that. Ralph? Uh, when we first went out, I guess in March of 2020, you know, my, my main goal was just to keep them playing, not to really try to keep advancing them. And um, you know, I had to totally, everyone, well, not me, we all had to totally reshift, almost rebrand what we were doing because it was in the middle of the school year, we were getting ready for our spring concert. So all of their music they were working on was, was orchestra arrangements, you know? Um, and that's not going to be very fun for a cello player to just sit there and play, you know, like the tuba part basically on, on in band. So I just got music that was all um, where everybody played the melody so that, and, and, you know, and just kind of more fun stuff to go. My, my goal was just to keep them playing. And then uh, last year was what it was. This year we finally were back in person like everybody else. And we finally were able to have our first orchestra rehearsals. And it, it was really fun. I mean, um, and just like Greg said, we backed way up. So I just took the level all the way back to very, very basic beginner orchestra stuff because the kids that were in my orchestra now had never even been in a concert before. So they really were beginner orchestra, even if they were sixth graders who should have had three years of experience. Um, but they don't care. They didn't care. They were playing together. They sounded great. And now, just like Greg said, we're ready to move on. Um, We'll see how that goes now with Omicron. My first orchestra rehearsal is supposed to be next week. So hopefully we can have, I mean, the full group, we've been doing lessons, but the full group. So we'll see. That's great. Uh, all right, let's move on to our topic, which was uh, Midwest and, and returning to in-person conferences. Uh, when we uh, when we met, my question to you it was right in the middle of Midwest, like uh, what are some of your highlights so far? But now as Greg alluded to before we started recording, um, you've actually had time to reflect. You, you, you've come home from Midwest and have had time to uh, reflect on how um, everything you saw and how maybe re-energized you are. And you're actually back at school teaching this week. So um, share with our listeners Midwest highlights. Greg? All right, no, I'll go around. Yeah, yeah, go in, go in different order. I keep uh, going first. <laughs> Sure. One of the, I mean, first off, anyone who's ever been to Midwest, I would absolutely encourage you to go. It, 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 I don't have anything negative to say about it. Um, one of the, hi the highlights for me 
are always the concerts. I mean, Midwest is basically, it was one of the main primary reasons it was started was to um, bring new music. It was almost like a giant reading session and where, where they, uh, they were demonstrating, here's the new music that's available for your, for your program. So that's still a huge part of it is the performances and it's super prestigious for a group to be invited to perform. So you're not just hearing new music or, or things that your groups can play, but you're also hearing it by like the best groups out there. Um, so those are always inspirational to me to see what what teachers are doing with their kids from groups around the country. Um, and then the sessions are always amazing also because anyone, you know, every composer who's writing right now or 95 or more percent of, of composers that are writing right now for for school groups, they're there. So you can actually meet them, talk to them. Um, it's some it's an experience you don't get anywhere else. Greg. Um, Highlights. Okay, so I'll piggyback off of Ralph. If you've never been to Midwest, and I didn't go to my first Midwest till I was 30 years in teaching, and I what a fool I was to not go to see uh, some of the most amazing performances and meet the composers, and those are some highlights. Some of the highlights for me in terms of performances, I got to see a, uh, a band, a, a, like a traditional British wind band, that was all women blew me away it was just incredible i got to see the texas a&m at kingston uh trombone choir like 24 trombones all in your face it was amazing uh to see some of the texas bands in the middle school and the high school the dallas winds that was amazing um what um, also amazed me is most of those concerts with the uh the younger bands uh they played arrangements or uh, com compositions by composers that are still alive and they were there in the audience and after each performance they would have the composer stand up so you had a chance to like hear their composition and then go meet them right afterwards in terms of the clinics i went to a lot of clinics and there were some really good ones one that really stuck in my head was called tips and tricks for your percussion section because as a, as a band director, if I'm not a percussionist, you always feel kind of guilty about not involving your percussionist in, uh, and I use a lot of Ed Lisk stuff in the circle of force warmups and stuff like that. And one of the things they pointed out was the concept of pods, rather than having your percussions running around to get to the snare drum or get to the triangle or get to the claves or get to the, um, composers are writing parts that have maybe a snare drum and a triangle or a snare drum or bass drum and crash symbols or crash symbols and roll and, and they they put the parts together like that so you can set them up in pods in the back of your band and i thought that was that was something that i've really instituted already uh you know great uh i wanted to touch on a couple of things that uh i was thinking about when when you were talking um ralph when you were talking about the the music that you hear there mm -hmm. um one of the things that that is special about Midwest is the percentage of music um, that I think everybody has to play. It's, it's required that is, has been written in the last year, uh, like a certain percentage of it. <clears throat> um, and also that it's, you know, you might be hearing the a, a top Texas wind ensemble, high school wind ensemble, but yet they have to, they're required to play a grade one piece. So no matter who the audience is, what level you teach, you can, you can hear music that your band could play. Um, like you pointed out, being played by great bands. Um, but I think that's a, a very special thing about the, the programming of, of Midwest. And 
and Greg, as you were talking about the, the different bands that you heard and the experiences you heard, I, I was reminded that one of the things that I've most enjoyed about Midwest have been adult bands as well. There's always a community band. In fact, the Saturday morning con concert, the final concert is usually reserved for a community band like San Jose Wind Symphony, the Cobb County Wind Symphony, the Virginia Winds, and so on and so forth. I've Norton, uh, heard so many of them over the years, and they've been um, uh, very special. Um, and I think the reason I've, I've been reflecting on, on why I think it's the uh, experience that adults bring to music and musical performance. You know, in the program, when they talk about uh, that somebody's a, a software engineer or a scientist or a you know home, home homemaker or who it doesn't matter doesn't matter what their job is or lawyers or whatever they're still playing and they're playing music but they also have a lifetime of experiences uh, in and out of music that they bring to music and kids well, don't, don't have that yet you know right and as educators that's our goal though is to see those people that okay you're not going to be a musician but you're a lawyer or a teacher or whatever but you're still playing. So yeah. that is awesome to see that. Um, so my next question was kind of the same. You touched on, on some of it, but what is why you attend Midwest? Uh, you talked about some of your highlights. Um, maybe you can go back. Uh, you've come, Greg and, and Ralph have come different amount of times. And we could talk about that, but why you, and, and why you specifically came this past year is were there uh, reasons why you come to Midwest? I, I, Greg? I've been there twice. I've been there two times. And the first time I was like a kid in a candy shop. I was the first one awake. I was just visiting everyone I could. I wanted to see what was happening around the world, really, because you see these Japanese bands, you see um, some of the Texas bands, and you see a lot of the, uh, the Midwest orchestras, which was really, really, really eye-opening. Somewhere like Texas, where you know a band might have four directors and a whole... Um, staff of private teachers and kids get private lessons they have band every day uh somewhere like japan where it's it's a really a long range thing it starts when you're very young and you have this project that you work on for three years you know uh i thought that was an amazing thing and and i guess the reason i go is to, is to put some perspective on on what we have and i share that perspective with my students i showed them some of the um programs from some of the, the orchestras and bands. And um, also the approaches that, that a lot of different string teachers have because having not come from a string background, but now 35 years later, uh, being a little more of a string instructor and player, uh, I get the sense that in different parts of the country, there's different approaches. Maybe it has to do with uh, you know, demographics or the way people approach things from an early childhood uh, education standpoint. Uh, and, and I bring that back and I go there because I bring something in terms of enthusiasm for myself and a little bit of vision of what's happening around the world and in other countries for our, and, and I call the band room kids, because you talk about the adults that are in bands, they were band room kids when they were, or orchestra room kids. Uh, and you hope that uh, giving them perspective shows your students that there's, there's more out there than just what's in your little banter. Greg, Greg, before we move on to Ralph, could I just ask you to uh, touch on what you think some people, because you mentioned this before we started recording, um, some people come back from Midwest feeling uh, different than what you just described. Yeah, can, some you, can, you, can you maybe talk about that for a moment? 
Sure. Some people come back feeling, and somebody warned me about this. I don't remember who it was. And you come back feeling completely depressed because you come back and you hear your bands and you think, oh, that's, we're terrible. Or, or look what's out there. We got we to gotta do what they're doing. And you really don't have to do what they're doing. You do what your brand of, of band was. And, and again, I was a band room kid. I would get there early to set the chairs up and would like get out of class so that I could get to the band room and the orchestra room or the jazz band rehearsal, you know? Um, so I come back from that with a perspective of there's a lot to be had out there. There's a lot to be seen and there's a lot to be thankful for that we even have a band program. Cause you saw, I, I got to see the first year some title one schools, which was really interesting to me how they put things together. And some of them didn't start band till high school. Ralph. Well, well, Everything that Greg just said, that he's just said it way more eloquently than I, I can. Yeah. But um, for me, I've been going, my first year was 2008. Um, so I've been going for a while now. And, you know, it never gets old because the groups are always amazing. The clinics are always amazing. And there's always something to bring back. Um, and even, you know, I want to have a great, awesome program. So if you go to a clinic and I can take away one idea, just one little thing that help the kids teach intonation a better way or position or te some technical thing, just one idea makes the entire thing worth it. And I, and I always get way more than that, especially at Midwest. Uh, the performances, again, they just inspire me. And it's, it's really, for me, it's my main word would be rejuvenation. Um, at this time of year, right in, in December, we, I always need a little break anyway. <laughs> and it's the perfect, you know, the, um, and this year was unique because usually after Midwest, we come back and then we're on vacation right away. This year we came back and we actually went back into the classroom for a week before we were off for break. So I actually got to, you know, take some of those ideas and start to use them. Um, it, I guess it can make you a little depressed if you're not careful because you can come back and, and think like, oh, like Greg said, oh my gosh, we don't have that. But really, you know, you just, it's, it's interesting because when you read the programs from these groups and you see their structure, um, it's so interesting to see what the, the best programs in the country, how their programs are structured. And a lot of them are pretty similar. And so we might not have that here, but you can take some ideas and, and truly adapt them and make them work. Um, and it's good, you know, and also it can be an eye opener. If, when, if you think you're really great, go to Midwest. <laughs> and it'll, it'll make you rethink a little bit. You know, you, you, it, we only know what we know in this area. So many people in this area, I didn't even know about Midwest till I went and I fell upon it accidentally. And I, I, how did I not know about this for all these years? You know, so I wish I had learned about it sooner too. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, from both of you. I, I, um, I've, this past Midwest was my 25th and uh, I, I went for the first time um, because my, my dear friend Steve Malolo was uh going to have his booth out there for the very first time. And uh, I helped him kind of build his booth in his apartment in Ramsey, New Jersey. And, and, uh, and it was, um, and I probably spent the next eight or 10 years at the Stormworks booth, um, meeting people. And, and, and that really uh, was my, my Midwest experience in, in the early years. But, you know, when we talk about professional development, it, it's a lifelong thing, right? It's lifelong learning. And I like how you said, Ralph, you, each clinic you go to, you think if I could just take one thing away from, you know, you're adding to your toolkit, right? Your toolbox, uh, and you're, you're, you know, you're giving back to your kids. When you were talking about uh, inspiration and rejuvenation, those were the exact two words that were in my mind. Um, 
every year I go to Midwest. I mean, I always feel that way. And as a, as a high school band director, I, and not that it matters what level you're teaching, we still give of ourselves each and every day, all day long uh, for like a half a year. People always ask like, why is Midwest always in December, right during Christmas week? Like, can't they pick a better time? And I have actually felt, you know, once I scheduled my concerts prior to Midwest and made a habit of that, it, it was the perfect time because you were in need of rejuvenation, right? It's like our cup has been emptied <laughs> and we can't continue to give unless we fill our cup back up. And, um, you know, to the point about feel, uh, people coming away from Midwest feeling like depressed that, you know, their groups aren't Midwest groups. It's, uh, it's not about comparison, right? It's about, it's about teaching kids to love music, period. And we, you guys, I know, do that to your kids uh, each and every day. Um, and so thank you for all you do. Um, Ralph, let's go to you first this time. Uh, you, you brought your elementary orchestra to perform at Midwest, I believe, twice, right? Three um, times, but yeah. Three times. Okay, never mind. <laughs> three times. Could you tell us about that experience and, and what it's meant for your students? Well, th so the first time was in 2008. So now those students are, are adults. Um, so I thought at the time, but it's been it's been confirmed since those kids are now adults. Um, that is something that they will remember for the rest of their lives. Um, again, you know, the kids we we give them we just get pass out music and, and they learn it, but we never talk. Well, I never really talked about the composers. And when I was a kid in band, um, I grew up playing trumpet. You know, I thought that they were all dead. And we were just, and probably a lot of them were, <laughs> but um, so for the kids to, to meet the composers and talk to them and, you know, when you go to Midwest, um, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting because you get all this music sent your way because composers want their music to be performed at Midwest. Um, and there's this big uh, programming process. So Oh, like if there's a piece to so say they're playing, you know, Jingle Bells, only one group can play it in the entire conference. And then it can't be played for like three or four years after that as well. So you get this whole list of, of pieces that you cannot play that have been played in the past. And then once things are programmed, those are off limits as well. So they really want to make sure that when you go to conference, everyone's going to hear fresh new music the entire conference, the whole way through. So when you're, pro so composers send you all this music and then when you pick it, you know, you, um, it's, it's just this big long process and the kids kind of understand and see that but you get accepted in April. So you're working from April basically all the way through till December. So for about nine months. Um, and then when the kids go, they, they get the, we, we've had like Steve Noel gifted us a piece. He wrote a piece for us and, and some other composers too. And they get to go and meet these people. Uh, they don't get to do that when they have concerts at home or when they go to, you know, other, other conferences necessarily. So that, those things, the kids come back and the parents, the parents too, you know, um, really see how impactful that whole process was. So I'm glad I did it. That's why I went, that's why I did it again after the first time, because it's a lot of work and it's a big audition process, but you know, it's super worth it. So you said 2008 was your first time at Midwest. Yeah. And also the first time you took your group, right? So you hadn't been. Yeah, there. I didn't even. <laughs> yes. I didn't. Well, you, okay. You, you know Beth Sokolowski, right? Absolutely. She, she's the person who I learned about Midwest from. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing. So I, oh, there's this conference. So then I looked at the audition, you know, and it was overwhelming, but I, I did it. Yeah. So that was the, the first time I went, was when I, when I brought my group. <laughs> but then I, I kept going, after, of course, every year after that. 
Well, that's great. Maybe if you did go to Midwest beforehand, maybe maybe more nerve wracking, right? Uh, if I knew what I was getting into, I might not I might not even audition. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, ignorance can sometimes be a gift. <laughs> so, so can I throw something in there? It, it, you know, my impression of Midwest initially was that it was this this competitive competitive thing, and you get in there, and then, um, and it because I didn't know about it, it didn't deter me, but I, I would hope that any young band or orchestra or jazz band or choir director or anyone would not be deterred by the fact that this is just such a huge uh, undertaking. It sounds like it's a big undertaking um, that you wouldn't be deterred by it because I think you had said, Ralph, that, that your adults came back to you and said it was mm -hmm. one of the highlights of their life getting to go to be a part of this. And, and even the small competitions we go to, uh, if you do uh, music in the parks, or if you do a local uh, um, uh, jazz band festival, uh, that it tends to be the highlight of their lives because you're creating this community of musicians. Whether you, know, whether you sit next right. to the person at lunch table every day or not, is not the issue. It's that you create this, this culture of, uh, of music that obviously continues on into the future. And I think Midwest is just the ultimate and, and it, it, it had been for me. And looking back, if I had gone in 2008 or even 1998, that's how old I am, um, that, uh, that would have been something that I would have pursued for no other reason that to, than to give myself and my, my young musicians an experience that they'd never forget. Yeah, and, and Greg, along those lines, not just Midwest, but PMEA, NJMEA, uh, you know, other, other local conferences where your kids can can perform. Just this week, I was talking with a music educator in our area, Terry O'Brien, in, in the Ridley School District, elementary school band director, and she was talking about a time when she took her kids up to Temple for a, a, a an event um, and took them on the train. Like literally there's a train stop that goes from Ridley right to Temple. And, and she was literally taking her elementary band and their equipment on the train. Uh, and, and also talked about those students now being adults and what it has meant to them. Because I think, oh, I know why I got brought up. Some of them are music majors at Temple right now. And they actually posted on social media a picture of them, uh, a picture from fifth grade and said, when it all began. And that was, that was their teacher giving them that experience uh, that started it off. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Midwest. You never know what little experiences you give them that are just going to spark, you know. Yeah. Now, speaking of experiences, and, and since you were, Greg, you talked about the all-women band that you saw at Midwest, and it, it made me think of the, the beginning of, of, of Key of She yeah. in, in your school. Um, and... Do you, you want to talk about any of sure. that, that for a moment? So the key of she began in Ballacamut. I teach in Welsh Valley. Welsh Valley teach, uh, feeds Harriton High School and Ballacamut feeds Laura Marion. Uh, and uh, Jenny Neff was in the school at the time as the director. And these two girls came up to her and said they were, they'd had enough. They'd had enough of the all boys club that was jazz band. And they wanted to start their own jazz band. And this girl, Olivia, uh, and I don't remember the girls, the other girl's name, wrote a, like a manifesto with uh, a mission statement. It was incredible in seventh grade. Um, 
Unfortunately for her, Jenny was going on sabbatical the second half of that year. And fortunately for me, she called me and said, would you be willing to kind of, you know, work with the girls uh, on putting together their little jazz group? And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to bring my girls too. And so, and there were high school girls too. I think we're willing to come. I don't know if there were high school girls that year, but I remember saying, okay. And I got together and we played a little bit. And then I said, you know what? I host a jazz festival in uh, the first week, Friday in May, every year. I grabbed that weekend because everyone's either done their concerts or about to do their concerts, the best they're going to be. I said, you know what? We're going to feature the Key of She Jazz Band uh, at this festival. And we did, and they did. And from that point, Olivia has had, uh, Olivia Hugart has had this uh workshop every year and it's grown into something even bigger i just saw a posting that she's got a booth uh i don't know where it's at but she's got a booth at the jazz the jazz conference going on right now yep and this is the student yeah this is, this is, the student is awesome who then continued on to um to to music school in new york and uh you know it, it's pretty amazing and every time i mention it to the girls in my band program their eyes light up yeah. And to have attended that that conference, her conference at UArts a few times, it's 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 amazing. It really is amazing. And girls, I, you know, I'm a boy. Uh, you know, I I don't know that I would have had the the stones to to create something like that in seventh grade, and uh, it's had a big effect on a lot of the girls. But she and the girl uh, Olivia and her friend, you know, obviously planted the seeds, and you and Jenny nurtured those seeds um, and, and kudos to you. And even while she was still in high school, that's when Jenny came to UArts and that's when they turned it in, wanted to make it a senior project and make a conference out of it and started including oh girls at all levels from, from middle school, high school, college, wow. and, um, and to all come and be a part of the, the, the conference. Again, oh, she's yeah. at NYU, but does, still does this annually and uh, wants this to be a, a Continue to be a lifelong project. Yeah, I, I so when I saw the uh, social media thing of her having a booth at the uh, the Jazz uh, Educators Conference, um, I was well, I'm not surprised. I'm not, nothing will ever surprise me about, about her efforts. So, congratulations, Will. Well, um, so my my last question was: We all know that uh, teachers are not okay. Right? They continue to struggle in our profession. Uh, many have left the profession early um, over the last year and a half. And, so, and many are still struggling um, to move on. Uh, as you reflect on all the things over the past two, two years, do you have some thoughts that you could share with your colleagues on, on that front? And you're both, both, all right, you wanna start, Ralph? Go ahead, Ralph, yeah. Um, in talking with my colleagues, yeah, I agree. There, people are <laughs> super stressed, um, all teachers, not just music teachers, but I know my, when I talk with my music colleagues, what I hear so much is we're so behind, we're so behind. and. You know, we are we are getting ready to do our concerts in the fall, um, and and people were really like, oh, they're not going to sound good, and and I just so I just think people need to we need to cut ourselves a break. Um, you know, for at our in my district at the elementary level, this is this is the first time we're even having groups. So just the fact that you're having these kids play together for the first time in two years is a lot. And again, like I said a little bit earlier, okay, so you might not be playing level whatever that you used to play. Even if you're playing point, point 0.5 pieces and they sound good at it, 
where they sound okay at it and your goal is to sound good at it, that's okay. They're playing together. The kids are happy. The parents are going to be happy and they were. Um, so I, I think so much of, there's already so much put on us, but I think we put so much external weight on our shoulders as well. And I understand why, but at this time in particular, I think we just need to cut ourselves a break um, and just keep pushing forward at the best we can. And it, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Greg, words of advice? Uh, yeah, I, in terms of the how, like I'm a, an old person. Uh, the how is really, really a young person's game. They, they know how. And I, I've learned so much from the colleagues that I work with at Welsh Valley Middle School. And especially, uh, believe it or not, the choral director. She has really inspired me to discover how, how to use the technology that's available to us. And the stuff that we had to use, had to use over the past few years is still useful. There's ways of using that. You know, I used to use class time to give tests and, and listen to scales and stuff. And you can have that submitted easily and, and watch it. That's the how. What's more important is, is, well, and the how too. The other part is, yeah, cut ourselves a break for sure. I am a clarinet player, the most self-deprecating of all instrumentalists. Maybe oboes are worse, but uh, <laughs> cut yourself a break. What you're doing, and this is the why, is really, really important. It, it's so important to them and it's so important to you. That's why you're doing it. And, uh, and, and you, you just have to find a way or embrace exactly what it is that you're doing. Cause now's now, you know, there isn't then my bands were, you know, 72 pieces and we had two tubas and we, we played grade three, three and a half music in middle school. You know, that was then this is now what their experience is, is the only experience they know. And so it's really, really important. And it's, it's good for your heart. It's good for your soul. You work hard so that you can make art. And the art inspires you to work hard. Uh, the why is so important. I'm so glad you touched on that. That's, uh, that's such a great way to, for us to close. Um, you know, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about how what I saw over the last two years, especially when March 2020 hit that was how the music community came together to help each other. There was so much on social media. There were so many companies that were giving things free, free subscriptions for things yeah. of things that we needed. But I don't know how you feel, but I, prior to the pandemic, I, I saw music educators working in silos a lot, their own programs, Band and choir directors didn't talk to each other. You know, like band directors had egos that, that didn't allow themselves to talk to each other outside of their programs. I mean, I, I think that was rampant. And, and then we found ourselves needing each other and, uh, and learning from each other um, and helping each other. And that has been inspiring to me. Um, and it's been inspiring to my, my collegiate students and who have been struggling to uh, observe and st have student teaching placement experiences during this kind of time. Um, to, to have them see the music community sharing in that way has been uh, uplifting. So uh, speaking of professional development, I'll, th I'll throw in a shameless plug that uh, coming up in a few weeks on uh, February 5th, uh, the Zezowitz is hosting the Conselmer uh, Instrumental Workshop. Uh, at Central Bucks South High School um, from nine to four. And uh, 
hope to see a lot of Zezowitz clients and other music educators in the area are welcome to uh, a free free professional development and uh, PMEA Act 48 credits will be available as well. So uh, Ralph and Greg, thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to say for the good of the order before we, we wrap up? No, thank you for having us. This is awesome. Well, Greg? Thanks, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to, to, to do this. This is, and this is, you know, this is rough. This is, uh, this is my final year of teaching. And so as I move into the next phase of life, uh, I realize, I always did, but, but I realize just how important this is to me and to the, the, uh, the community as a whole, the music community as a whole. But uh, thank you again. Well, there we Congratulations, have Greg. Yeah, yeah, we have a retirement announcement right there. Okay, so collegiate students, there's a job opening uh, next week. <laughs> Welsh Valley Middle School. Um, well, listen, I want to thank you both for sharing your thoughts, experiences, expertise with our audience. I personally want to thank you and, and, and all our listeners for what you do each and every day for your students. To all my music educator friends, please continue to find opportunities to open more doors for all students to engage with music and with you. And a special thank you to Zezowitz Music uh, CEO, Randy Shaler, uh, for your continued support for music education and music educators. Thank you. See you on the next episode. Thanks.